Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Dr. Corey Allen. And Dr. Corey Allen is a marriage and family therapist and a licensed professional counselor with a PhD in family therapy. He and his wife, Pam, host a weekly podcast, Sexy Marriage Radio, where they help frame the conversation for couples to experience the best sex possible in their marriage. Corey has a private practice in McKinney, Texas, and is the founder of SexyMarriage.net, an online resource aimed at helping marriages not just survive, but thrive. Pam is a CPA at a small firm in Frisco, Texas, as well as a co-pilot with Corey's work. You know, we never go into a relationship wondering if we'll be able to survive a betrayal, but when it happens, we're called to respond to that question. In some relationships, a betrayal is survivable, and in others, as my next guest says, it's thrivable. Get ready for an interesting conversation around what makes a couple more or less likely to move forward from a betrayal, not intact, but even better than before. Here's Dr. Corey. Okay, everybody, you are going to love this conversation that I'm having today with uh, Dr. Corey Allen, because we're going to be talking about getting into just really what goes on with couples healing from betrayal. And he has certainly seen enough of it. So welcome, Corey. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you. So, you know, so many of our listeners have, of course, yes, they've experienced maybe some family betrayal, workplace betrayal, but a majority have experienced um, partnership betrayal. Mm-hmm. And just let's just dive in. What what are some of the things you've seen? What are what's the upside that you've seen? Just just bring us into the world of you know what you've seen as far as healing after betrayal. Okay. Um, well, I mean, it, it seems like unfortunately betrayal is a reality uh, in any kind of relationships. The the arena I work in is predominantly under the umbrella of marriage. Um, that's, that's a majority of my clientele. And one of the things that, uh, I see first and foremost and try to tell couples right off the bat when they come in after discovery of something, um, is this is survivable, you know, this, that it's something that it, you know, I, cause it, Debbie, you know, going into this whole thing, when we first start, everybody has a deal breaker of, if you cheat on me, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then if the cheating actually happens, of any, any various level of emotional, physical, mental. I mean, there's a lot of different varieties within it that all fall under the umbrella. But once that happens, then you kind of realize it's not as clear cut if, if you're further into the relationship, right? Because you've got a story together. You've got a life together, kids, finances, uh, a portfolio, you know, mm-hmm. real estate. You know, oh, so it's, it's not as simple as just, I'm out. Um, so it's, it's recognizing, one, it's survivable, uh, but then I think even further than that, and this is kind of the work you do, it's it, to make up a word, it's thrivable. Mm-hmm. You know, that you can actually create something that's better than you ever even had before. Because I think it's a great reset if you look at it on, okay, what what were the causes that helped create some of this dynamic? What's each of our roles? And do I want to keep doing that? Now, absolutely. So in the work that you do then, what do you see as something that lets you know, you know what, this couple has a really good shot? Um, If they will buy into the fact that um, the the relationship was co-created that helped create the dynamic to where an affair would occur. 
but whoever it was that was betrayed, it's not their fault. It was a choice by their spouse, Mm -hmm. by their partner. And so like one of the things I look for in one of the first sessions with a couple is the betrayed uh, spouse to say something in the realm of, I can't believe you did this to me because that's my, that's my in to come Mm -hmm. at them with what exactly did they do to you? Because you were not involved in this. So it's trying to separate it out because while you take, while, while what happened is personal, it wasn't intentional, personal, at, at least I, in some regards, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not that the betrayer didn't realize, oh, this hurts. That's why we go, if, if I'm discovered, it'll hurt. That's why you go to great lengths to hide everything because you do care about your spouse, even though you're cheating on them. But it's, it's seeing it as the deeper part of, if you can separate that out of, I didn't, this was not my fault. This was not a cause of me. He chose this or she chose this Mm -hmm, mm because it's equal on both sides in the sense of, I don't have statistics in front of me, but it's not just a male only Mm -hmm, thing. Certainly. Um, But if they'll buy into that, it changes the, the power dynamic because now I can ask the person that was betrayed the question of, it's not about, would you want to be with someone that would do this to you? It's about, would you want to be with someone that would do that to themselves? Because and it I, separates it out. Right. And I, I hear you. The, the challenge, and listen, speaking personally about this and with just so many of the, the women that I work with, they struggle with, how do you not take it personally? I, I understand that because it's. Right. I just try to frame it in what's easier to deal with in, in, as far as a framework is it's personal, but it's more under the realms of collateral damage mm-hmm. that you have to, all that was in, uninvited you have to sift through. Mm-hmm. And, and it just makes it, because there's something about if you can take intentionality out of the equation, you have a lot more legs to stand on for what's your next move. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you just kind of do this whole, it was all me, let me do what I have to do to make sure it never happens again, then the betrayer has never had his feet or her feet held to the fire to is it really a deal breaker? Is there really a serious enough consequence? Is there, you know, is there a true risk of losing me? Yeah. And it's so interesting you say that because when I, when, when I go back to the study that we talked about on your podcast, the mm-hmm. study uh, that I, I talked about, about how women experience betrayal, what holds them back, what helps them heal. One of the biggest reasons why the women did not heal was when the betrayer had no consequences. Right. And those were the most physically ill women yeah. out of everybody, yeah. because you, we just can't live that lie. I mean, that's just, that's just not good. So some, okay. So, so that's sort of the setup that lets you know, okay, I have, I can work with, with this here. And right. what else it, do you need to see? Yeah. Cause then I think it starts to become a two individual paths taking place in a relational dynamic. Because it's not a relational thing. It's an individual character thing at that point. And, and then you start looking at, as far as the betrayer goes, he, he or she's got to start looking at, okay, do I want to be that person? Is that really me? Is there something else out there that is really the signal of, I need to get out of this one and move to that one? Or is it usually just a, I felt desired here? And, and this can wake up the system I had at home to where now I feel desired because I'm finding some of that within myself. And, mm-hmm. 
And so if, if they're going down that path at the same time, the betrayed spouse has the opportunity to really start to do some self-evaluation, some self-validation of I'm worth being with. I'm, and that's where you then start having the consequence that comes along with, hey, I have meaning and worth and value. I'm not going to be just discarded and treated like this. So if you want in, then you're in. Get all the way in. If mm-hmm. not, what are we doing? And do you recommend, is there like a process you recommend where maybe they're just on their own for a bit of time or that they just come to counseling? What do you find is, well, is helpful? Obviously, having someone uh, professional to walk alongside is a, a very good strategy mm-hmm. because it gets somebody that's in their corner as a couple and as individuals. Um, there's a variety of things I've come across that I know work that are beneficial of, you know, each person can get their own uh, professional help if they want, they can do it together. I mean, I've had some times where I've worked with the couple and each individual is working with individual clients, you know, mm-hmm. where it's, and there's a lot more collaboration. Um, it, it's just the thing that's beneficial to, depending on, and again, Debbie, I think this is, you're, you're talking about, is this a one night stand kind of a thing that, not that it's excusable, but it's kind of like, oh, okay. Or is it a three-year-long something? Those are mm-hmm. two dr- dramatically different mm-hmm. paths to heal from. Mm-hmm. So depending on what you're dealing with, having some time where you've separated, um, a lot of what I see in the, in the area of Dallas that I live in, couples, if they separate, it's in-house separations. Mm-hmm. One of them just moves to another bedroom. Mm-hmm. But I'm good with that. I like that because it basically takes the lid off of what's been going on behind closed doors Mm -hmm. and it lets people rally around them if they truly are supportive friends and and allies. Or if they're not, well, then you got a clearer picture of you're not going to be a resource to help me here. So I know who I can turn to versus the girlfriends I can't turn to or the boyfriends, you know, the men I can't turn to. Right, of course. And, and you, know, you bring up a good point because now we're talking about other people who we can speak with and we can trust and we can count on. And, and then there are the kids. Right. Is, is there something you recommend? Like some people are adamant about we don't want to bring our kids into this. And some people say, well, you know what? They need to know what's going on. Where, where are you with that? Well, I don't, they don't need to know what's going on as far as the details because you're still talking about an adult level thing and their mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. And, but they know something's going on because kids are perceptive if you live in close proximity to one another. You can't hide the fact that you tense up when spouse walks in the room day in and day out Mm -hmm, and and you're short and you're snippy and, you know, all the little signals that kids pick up on those things. So you're better off with having, if, if you as a couple, or even if you're not as a couple having the decision of, we're going to work this sucker through. Mm-hmm. You still are going to have a relationship with each other because you have children. Mm-hmm. So you're better off as a united front as much as possible, sitting them down saying, we're in a tough spot. We're doing what we can to, to navigate this, to find the help, but, but we're in a, in a rough spot. And we want you to know that it's not about you. We will do everything we can for you still as your parents, as your providers, as the, as the conduits of love and, mm-hmm. and comfort for you, we will do what we can. But if you pick up on some things, that's what's going on is we, 
we're just in a tight, a really rough patch right now. And I think it's so important what you just said because it's so true. Kids can take it personally. Yeah. And and letting them know over and over it has nothing to do with them is is huge. So I'm sure you've seen it where one of the partners is trying a lot harder than another. Oh, yeah. Tell, tell, let's talk about that. What goes on in that situation? Well, a lot of times then if, if I'm working with both of them, then that gets me. I'm, I'm the therapist that uh, I don't hold people's hands. I come straight at them. Um, I, I figure you're paying money to get the truth. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, not, let's not sugarcoat stuff. That, mm-hmm. That's speaking to the best in people. Um, and so when you start to get a sense that, okay, one of the members is working and, and over-functioning for the other, mm-hmm. then that allows the therapeutic process to shift to the person that's under-functioning. What is this really about? And then at the same time, if I do my job well, I can call out the over-functioner on why are you working so hard for someone that obviously isn't working for you? Mm. And, and try to at least put that out in the open to let it see you know, do you really want to go after someone that's showing they don't want to be with you in some regards and kind of just call it out? And I had that last night, actually, with a couple. So mm. it's just kind of, hey, this is what you guys are describing. You each play a role if you want to let it continue. So now maybe with the system, at least it's in the open and the system can work that out. And there's something about seeing that, you know, I, I, I've seen so often where I'll work with somebody and they're giving, and I'll ask them a percentage. How how much are you giving to this relationship? 80%. How much is your partner giving? 20%. Right. Why are you okay with right. 80% when you're accepting 20? Right. Why is that good, okay? That's a good way to frame it because that you basically, I mean, one of the truisms I have is we teach people how to treat us. Mm-hmm. And so if I constantly show I'm willing to drag my feet and she'll pick up the, 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 the slack, then I'm basically saying I'm, it's okay for me to drag my feet. And, and I see this so often as a worthiness issue because we're, you know, with so many people, they figure, well, if I don't give 80%, then they won't love me. Okay. Yes. You know, so it's like, that's the only way that I can either get them to stay or get them to love me or whatever. And so then they're not really loving you anyway. They're just loving an over-functioning part of you. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. So then how the the process of, let's say someone is, um, or let's just even say they're both committed to doing the work. Mm-hmm. What's something that you see, which is like really moves the needle? Like, okay, this was a big jump. This is This is how we know, okay, they're they're really headed on the, the right road here because of this or that. Well, a lot of that is just because uh, after you're past the initial shock, and I think it's kind of one of the stages you talk about of mm-hmm. you're moving beyond just Stage I'm functioning two. on the surface level of life again. Mm-hmm. And, and you get a little more awareness and you start to see, okay, what does this actually mean to me? What did this, what really happened? You know what? And it's not details. It's, what was going on prior that uh, helped create a system where that could happen? Mm-hmm. And then also, if it's the betrayed spouse, what was going on to where I didn't trust myself with the signals that I was, I look back on and go, yep, yep, yep. I see each one of those mm-hmm. things as mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to go there, but so what was that about me? And that's kind of a, an internal self-resolve thing. Mm-hmm. And when I can see that going on on one side, and then I also see on the other side, I love, in some regards, I love working with the betrayed, the betrayer spouse 
because I love framing it in. Now you know what you're capable of. Do you want to continue to live with that capability? No, you know, acting like it doesn't exist? Mm -hmm. Or what do you do to be vigilant about your own life and your relationship? Because in the short term, and this is Esther Perel's work, in the short term, the betrayer, if they need to be the hypervigilant for the relationship mm-hmm. to allow mm-hmm. room for the betrayed spouse to actually heal and get their wits about them and, and kind of, you know, dust themselves off and, and, and stand back up for who they want to become. Right. And so right. if they'll do that in the short term, then that allows the both sides to kind of get an equilibrium. And then if you, as, as long as I see a level of re- repentance, a level of admission, mm-hmm. you know, of, mm-hmm. yep, you're right. And, and I'm not running from those things. I mean, that's, so Debbie, here's one of the biggest things I see, and this is in my own life, um, from years ago with an emotional thing that happened five years in, in my marriage. And, you know, it was eight years after everything. And my wife came home and she was just in a really rough spot because it was an anniversary of my disclosure to her mm-hmm. of what had gone on. And, she was just really down and her response was, I can't believe you did that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and I've, and part of me was all like guilty. I thought I've already dealt, you know, all that kind of stuff. But instead this was one of my better moments in life. And I was like, I can't either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. kind of, let's just absorb the truth and now and, let's deal with it. And I, and I love that because, you know, so often, what I what I hear all the time and what I see is that here the the betrayer wants to determine the length of time that it takes someone to truly heal and that's not up to them. No, it's not. It's really not. So if that if the betrayed is is really feeling some kind of trigger, whether it's the anniversary or anything, it could be anything. Right. You know, just giving that space and just you know letting that person know, hey, I'm I'm in the I'm in the trenches with you. Yeah. You're not here by yourself. I'm not looking down from the top of the mountain like, hey, how's it going down there? I'm right. coming down there to go get you in, and lift you up. Right. Because if I if I buy into the 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 whole banter back and forth of I thought we already dealt with, you know, and now I'm I'm keeping it in the victim kind of a world. And mm-hmm. now I'm playing the victim card mm-hmm. in that regard, rather than this is about their hurt. This isn't about what was done as much as it is the, the result of it, which is their hurt, their pain, their sadness, their disappointment, their grief, their whatever, because what was has, is, has to be grieved. It was lost. And, and so let's now talk, we have to create something different. Right. And that could be magnificent. But let's talk about that because it's so easy when you've, let's say, the betrayer determines, you know what, it's been two, three, four years, whatever, whatever that number is. And they're really on a good path and things are going well. And they look at it and say, but you know what? This trigger is just going to set us back so far. And we've been doing so great. So I'm sort of doing this as a way to minimize it and help, you know, help move it forward. How do you, how do you convey the message of, or, or what was it that made you say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm with you and you know what, you're right. Um, I think it was because I had reached a point personally that I liked me again, (laughs) that I was, I was good being the man I was because when I looked back, what helped create the whole thing was I wasn't a guy I liked, Mm. you know, I didn't, I didn't like me. And, and that became an easy way for an endorphin kick, 
Mm-hmm. Right? Of, yeah. Hey, I'm getting attention. That feels good. Hey, let's just follow this train and see where it goes. And knowing full well, it's not going to go anywhere good. But it's it's seeing it through the lens of just, okay, hold on. This is about self-development. I mean, a, a fair recovery work is self-development boot camp. It's, I mean, it's like sure. equated to Navy SEALs Hell Week <laughs> on just steroids even more, you know, yeah. that it's yeah. just this gut-wrenching thing at times. And there's a cyclical nature to it that you'll gain some ground. And I tell couples this ahead of time, that the two, the two truths I try to get across when they first come in is, one, you're both on a path mm-hmm. that's not always the same because you both have healing you've got to deal with. And it's hard to, it's hard to have the betrayed spouse here. The betrayer has healing they've got to uh, confront too, mm-hmm. but they have a loss they have to deal with too. It's mm-hmm. just not honored very often because it's about the betrayed, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then the other thing is there's a cyclical thing to this. You'll gain some ground and you're going to lose a little bit of ground and then you'll gain more and then you lose. But overall, the way human beings just typically are, and your studies bears this out, mm-hmm. we get better. You know, there's upward trends, statistically speaking, right. overall. And it's like the stock market. Eventually, it recovers and starts working its way back up again. Right, sure. And, and it's so true because it's two very different paths with very different emotions. The betrayed yep. is is dealing with such deep hurt and sadness and yep. and loss. And the, and the betrayer, shame. I mean, that's a huge emotion. Yep. How do you work with the differences in emotions in the in the two of them? I mean, how because shame is a, it's the most physically destructive emotion we have, and bitterness, anger, resentment those are those are close seconds right there. So, right. Is, is there some sort of timeline you see where it's like it's easier to get over shame than bitterness, or uh, I don't know? No, what because do you oftentimes see? the shame was maybe there beforehand, even. <laughs> so okay. because there was a porn issue or there was a whole lot of shame around sex anyway or yeah. you know there's there's just some insecurity and insufficiency that's going on in some regards that was already there and this was actually you know I've come across research and and buy into it for the most part you know that affairs are actually symptoms of something else mm-hmm. they're not the they're not the main thing they're yeah. a part of the main thing and so if you could kind of frame it that way to where you realize this is not just about an incident. This is about a, a relationship. And so if we go all the way back to how this whole thing start and as far as the two of you as a couple and mm-hmm. kind of work through what was good, what was bad, what did you start noticing? Because you'll start getting patterns. And when you can figure that out, you start realizing, hey, wait, i I didn't give the time I needed to either. I'm, I'm not. I'm not proud of me for this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and if you start just kind of normalizing some of that, you start realizing I could take myself on better. Mm-hmm. And shame starts to get diminished, if not go away, for seasons. When I start to confront, yeah, I know I'm capable. I, I know there's a dark side to me. Right. I know there's an evil in me. And. I need to act like it doesn't, I need to stop acting like it doesn't exist and realize it's there so it doesn't just wreak havoc. Yeah, that's great. And, and and also with the betrayed, I know they could sort of bring things up as a way to just establish that balance of power. You know, yeah. like let's say it's years and just as that reminder, how yeah. do you, what do you, what do you, how do you work with the betrayed so they, they're careful about that? Well, that's, that's just another then, 
you are doing the um, sadistic side of a relationship to keep them in check rather than giving them free room to choose. Mm. Because, I mean, that's, that's the, the one thing it seems like in a committed, in any relationship, but for sure in a committed relationship, we want to be chosen. I mean, I think that's the universal. We want to be wanted. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the only thing I control, in my opinion, on, making, on getting that choice to happen is I have to present something I think is worth wanting and take the risk to see if it's chosen. Mm-hmm. I can't make somebody's choice for them. But if I hold these, you know, hold these things over me that were egregious and hurt, then I keep that in the forefront because I'm basically not ever facing the fact that I may not get chosen. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Let's talk about forgiveness. Okay. Where does, where does forgiveness come into all this? How do you work with people around forgiveness? Well, I think it's a, I think it's a fact all the way through. Um, at the outset, you have to not confuse forgiveness and forgetting because <laughs> those mm-hmm, two mm-hmm. are not the same thing. Yep. Um, but forgiveness is a process, just like grieving, I think, that I can forgive on some level of what's gone on when I recognize what all has happened. Um, and I can forgive on deeper levels as um, new as is born and as because mm-hmm. that's it's going to come back up, which means okay, I've got another layer I need to deal with mm-hmm. and another hurt. And, and you even touch on this in your stuff in your work on the idea of it stings so deeply because of who was involved. You know, mm-hmm. it's the person mm-hmm. you trust the most, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that was the cause of this of the pain. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a whole paradigm reframe. Mm-hmm. So coming to grips with having to have to realize, all right, I forgive now, but I'm going to have to do it again, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's not for the same thing. It's for a different caveat of the same, of the, of the thing. So layers and, and stages, that's all, that's only on a relational level. I think mm-hmm. you also still have to work on forgiving yourself mm-hmm. on, on recognizing my humanness, my fallings, my shortcomings, my incapacities yeah. of things and, and recognizing, okay, I can I can be better by recognizing the whole of me and honoring that as much as possible rather than just thinking all I am is positive and virtuous. Right. I, and I love what you're saying. So I'm going to bring up another big one. Okay. Let's talk about trust. How do you rebuild trust? Well, so to me, trust is one of those interesting things that's a commodity in relationships that really is backwards in a lot of regards. Because... The example I use, Debbie, is if I wanted to tell you something about me, mm-hmm. but I was, I'm kind of concerned because I don't want it going out on a podcast. I mean, mm-hmm. you tell me this is off the record, you know, all that kind of <laughs> stuff because I need to be able to trust you. Right. But in reality, if I want to tell you something about me, I need to trust myself that I'll handle whatever you do or don't do with it. Mm. Right. And so just through the framework, I believe, because one, one of the main tenets of what I believe and teach and speak on with the podcast is that marriage is designed to help grow you up period. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, it's a people growing process and it's about me before it's my marriage. And so this same thing, a healing from a betrayal is about me. And so I need to learn to trust myself again. And when I do that, I start realizing I can handle anything that may come again. If, If that means I have to move on, I move on. If that means I need to pull myself back a little bit, to recover, I do that. And, 
and it, I start kind of being a major player in my marriage for myself and for the others rather than reversing that where it's all about I take my cue from my spouse because they need to earn it back because they can't ever earn anything back mm-hmm. other than the free choice. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of, am I living a life that is demonstrating consistently I'm worth choosing? Right. I love that. What do you want to make sure everybody knows before we wrap up? Um, probably the fact that uh, when when hurts come in marriage, uh, how do you kind of take the courageous step? Because this is truly a courageous step mm-hmm. to, to ask yourself, what could this be used for? You know, how, how could I use this for my own personal development? And not about the marriage yet. This is about me. Mm-hmm. And, and if I'll do that, I put, I put my, the possibility of my relationship in uncharted waters that we've never tasted yet. Because I've never tasted it. It's, it's a part of me that hasn't been born yet either. Right. You're so right. And that's where you, you've heard me talk about death and rebirth. It's the death of the old, but we're not sure right. what the rebirth is going to be. Right. Absolutely. Wonderful. So, Corey, how do we learn more about you? Where do we go? Uh, my home online is sexymarriage.net. And there's a weekly podcast that comes out every Wednesday, Sexy Marriage Radio. Um, we're seven years into this thing. So there's a wealth of content. Uh, and so you can find me at sexymarriage.net. I work with clients in my office here and outside of Dallas and then also online. So all the stuff you can find is right there. Oh, terrific. Corey, thank you so much. I know that there are so many people listening who uh, you really shed some amazing, amazing light on about healing from uh, what they thought was a deal breaker. Maybe it's not after all. Well, thanks for having me on. This was fun. Thank you. Corey so beautifully laid out what the betrayed and the betrayer experience when they're working on healing from the experience. Keep in touch with him by going to sexymarriage.net and we'll have all of his information in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. While I believe there are few things more painful than betrayal, they do give us the ultimate opportunity to see characteristics and beliefs within ourselves that need our attention and healing. When we take the time to look at what needs our attention, we truly can be the strongest, healthiest, and most empowered versions of ourselves possible, whether that means with or without the person who betrayed us. As you know, lots of physical, mental, and emotional symptoms are left in the wake of betrayal. So to find out what may be lingering for you, take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz at pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And let us support you. Go to Facebook and join our group, Women Hacking Betrayal, where we give information, tools, and support to help you move forward and heal once and for all. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.